morning, everybody. Welcome to week three of the college fan. Well, not really fantasy, but college football action. We are excited to be here with you. We are campus to Canton. As you can see, the usual host of this show, Austin Nace, is not here. He has decided to take his yacht out. Um, I'm not, uh, Colin, do you know exactly where he was going? He was very secretive about that this morning. He was. Yeah, he was he was very secretive. He told me he wasn't going to be here all week this week. Um, if you guys tuned into the uh, Better Sports Network this morning too and saw him on there, I couldn't really get a good read on where he was from that. Um, yeah. So it looked like maybe he was at an airport in, or at a hotel like near the dock where he usually leaves. So maybe he hasn't left yet. I, don't I know. heard something about the Cayman Islands or something like that. I'm not sure. That makes sense. I could have swore I heard some whale calls or something while we were doing the show. I'm pretty sure he's out on the yacht right now. Like that's how great his uh, his money is. He gets straight internet connections on his on his yacht. It's ridiculous. But we've got the betting expert himself, Chris Moxley, here, who put me in my place this morning, telling me not to bet the Iowa Nevada under because he is two and zero and I am not. So just throwing <laughs> that out there. Listen to Moxley when it comes to betting. We've got our CFF expert. Jared Palmgren and Colin. I'm really a co-founder, just, you know, handsome, handsomest dude at the, at the oh. website, Colin Decker. You know, I got to give, give you some love. So <laughs> we've got a ton of action to get to, though. We've got two games that happened last night, including a very interesting game between Florida State and Louisville. And then not necessarily an interesting game against Air Force and Wyoming, but we had a player go off that we'll talk to Jared about. Is, is he willing to, or are we putting him back in our lineups? Let's start with the Florida State-Louisville game. Florida State wins this 35-31. It was a back-and-forth game here. Unfortunately, Jordan Travis gets injured in this one fairly early on. He started out 11-4-11 before throwing that first interception. Ends up 13-17, of 17, 157 yards of the air, two touchdowns, one interception. Jared, do you know, have we heard anything exactly on what that injury was? I've not heard anything definitive. I Just from the kind of vibes that I got last night. It sounds like he's going to be out for a good while. This is a very big blow to Florida State. I have to give credit to Mike Norvell and that entire coaching staff yeah. and just the entire team yesterday because Murphy's Law was in full effect for Florida State there for a good, like, 20 minutes where it felt like everything that could go wrong would go wrong, and that's the kind of game that we have seen Florida State just absolutely throw away after a very good performance in the first half. They brought themselves together, and, like, while – Louisville had a very good performance as well. And we'll get to their quarterback here in a second. I got to give Mike Norvell and them credit for just hanging on in that game and just getting the win. They're three and oh, that's yeah. huge for Florida state. Yeah. I mean, it sucks to think about what this season could have been had Jordan Travis knock out injured. Cause he looked really impressive. That, that is a really tough blow. There was a lot of rumors about a knee, possibly an Achilles. Like I, I really, I can't wait to hear what exactly it was. I hope it's not season ending, but yeah, it was. I heard, I heard somebody say that he was on crutches on the sideline. So there's yeah, definitely not, something there. That's not great. Yeah. That, let's, let's hope for nothing too serious. Trayshawn Ward though, stepped up in a big way for him. 126 yards on the ground on 10 carries and Johnny Wilson and Jared, I want to come to you on this one. I know that Colin and Austin had talked about him back in his Arizona state days. He comes over here to, FSU, we, I don't know that we were expecting much, but seven receptions for 149 yards and two touchdowns, almost 34 fantasy points last night. Obviously, we, we don't know the roster ship percentages anymore, but if he's available on your waiver, this is a guy you've got to go get right, even with the injury to Jordan Travis. So I'm a little bit hesitant with Florida State wide receivers because they tend to kind of go up and down as each week goes along. Now, if you're in a deeper league or a dynasty league or if you're in a 
Um, or if you're in a deeper C to C league, yeah, absolutely go pick him up. If you if you got 40 spots in your roster, this is a guy that can absolutely take up one of those spots. Um, I do I talked to a couple Florida State fans before the season started, and this was a name that kind of kept popping up. Like I know a lot of people are kind of a little high on Micah Pittman and everything, but they kept saying, like, no, Wilson's like Wilson's somebody to kind of look out for. Johnny Wilson here. Look out for him. He could be a very big player for Florida State. Hadn't really had a breakout game until this one. Very, he stepped up in a big way, like I said, for Florida State. So, yeah, if you're in a deeper league, absolutely go pick him up and try to find a place for him on your on your roster. There's got to be at least one wide receiver that's disappointed for you that you can cut and just add him in there in case he continues to do it. If you look at mine and Collins teams, I think we've got a lot of guys that we can probably cut to pick up Johnny <laughs> well, Wilson. I, I, I follow your example too, just just picking up a bunch of play, bad players so that we can cut them later, right? Like it, it typically works out. Malik Cunningham, you mentioned he had a good day. He does come through for you again in fantasy. While while the team Louisville is not doing good, Malik Cunningham at least is the past two weeks. 21 of 34 for 243 yards, one touchdown interception through the air, but does add 127 yards again on the ground with two touchdowns. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea who Jawar Jordan is, but he was the leading getter here on the ground for them with 91 yards on the ground. And then Amari Huggins Bruce was the best wide receiver of the day with just 61 yards through the air. Colin, are you excited about anybody on this Louisville offense outside of Malik Cunningham? Um, no, not really. Not at this point. I mean, Travion Cooley got involved a little bit earlier uh, in the game. We saw a little bit of life from him, who's a guy that, you know, a lot of us over at Campus Canton liked uh, heading into his freshman year last year. Uh, just really has not seen much of the workload at all. And like I said, got a little bit involved. And then Jawar Jordan, a guy that I don't know about you guys, but like Matt said, I've never heard of him before. Um, you know, so a guy comes out of nowhere and takes all of Cooley's work again. So I think we can probably put a nail in the coffin for Cooley, uh, even though he got a little bit of, <laughs> well, even though he, he got a little bit of work. Yeah. I mean, so he was technically out carried on the ground and everything, but he did come through for you in fantasy. Like I actually full transparency, I meant to pull him out of a lineup and forgot. So I'm you happy. Starting he, got, him? he got How 23 about, points. It's you, in you the got NIL. these guys you want to cut. It's in the C2C NIL league, man. I've got no one else. <laughs> like, it's bad. It's bad in these parts. So, yeah, I said, hey, he got me 23 points last night. Like, I'm not complaining. It was a happy mistake on my point. It's because he got a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown last night. But, I mean, yeah, he was out carried by Jordan, uh, which you don't love to see. But, hey, maybe maybe the two touchdowns. They did use him a little bit, too, in the end part of the game. Hopefully, I look like trying to, obviously, keep the ball away from Florida State from them getting it back, and they used him a little bit. Maybe – Maybe some upside there for Cooley, but you might not be wrong in what Jordan, if you, uh, Jared, if you're not watching uh, on the screen, he posted a little, uh, wrote down on the thing, trade Cooley. 23 points on that game. You may want to trade him because uh, he may not produce that anywhere else this season. The only other game that happened last night was Air Force at Wyoming. Air Force loses 14 to 17. Another player I started in that game, uh, Brad Roberts, did not really necessarily come through for me, but Titus Swen did. You started him 102 grounds on uh, 102 yards on the ground with one touchdown, just eight yards receiving. You know, Jared, we talked we talked a little bit about him, right? Like he's very good CFF asset, but when he plays these tougher teams, you don't want to start him. If we reached a point where Swen is just he's in your lineup moving forward, right? You want to think that I'm still very concerned about how banged up he is and how injured he is. Like you watch him along the sidelines. He's still very much nursing those ribs that he injured earlier this season. I am 
very concerned. I'm honestly a little concerned about the fact that Wyoming's still kind of throwing him out there as much as they are, knowing that he is injured in the way he is. To me, it just feels like a matter of time before there's just a point where they can't put him in the game anymore because they refuse to take him out when, again, a game's fully in hand. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of split on it. If they keep doing it, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, he's going to get the volume. He's going to get what he, he needs to do. But it feels like a ticking time bomb to me at this point. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I, he was actually listed as one of my sits for this week. Uh, and of course, this is a week, 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he hadn't he had been like hovering around 70 yards the past two weeks. And this week he gets 100 and a touchdown for you still. But uh, I, I he's got a score. I mean, they just they aren't really using him in the passing game much. I don't think they use their running backs too much in the passing game here. And, you know, and also maybe it is a little bit of the uh you know, injuries still coming through where they want to, you know, use them on the ground a little bit more, but give them a break on some passing downs. I don't know, but I'm still hesitant starting Swen each week just because this offense is just slow and not very good. Moxley on the other side of things, Brad Roberts. I mean, he's a, a running back. Typically, I think you can start for, for CFF purposes. Not great last night, 16 attempts, just 54 yards. We worried at all about him moving forward. It's just kind of a bad game here. It happens. That's it. Just a bad game. Not worried. Just roll. Keep ro- keep rolling with Brad Roberts, man. He's gonna get he's gonna get like twenty to twenty five touches a game and just pound it for like a hundred plus yards most weeks and a touchdown. I'm not worried. I mean, I'm also a guy I had to start in the C two C NIL league, so you know I'm hoping that you're right because uh, I need him to definitely come through for me. So those are the only two games from last night. Again, that Florida State Louisville game was really good. Now we're going to go over to Jarek in his by the numbers segment with a very interesting little trio here of quarterbacks that could possibly end up getting first round draft capital this year. When you just don't understand the numbers, it's time to dive into the classroom with the beautiful mind, Jarek Backus, and By the Numbers. Welcome to By the Numbers, where I'll be taking an analytical approach to answering one question each week. This week, I'm answering the question, which of these QBs would I predict to get the best draft capital in 2023, Sam Hartman, Jaron Hall, or Devin Leary? First, some background. Sam Hartman is a three-star redshirt junior, five years out of high school at Wake Forest. He's listed at 6'1", 210 pounds. Devin Leary is a four-star redshirt junior, five years out of high school at NC State, and is listed at 6'1", 215 pounds. Jaron Hall is a three-star redshirt junior, seven years out of high school at BYU, and listed at 6'1", 205 pounds. He's seven years out of high school because, like a lot of BYU players, he served his mission trip right after high school. So who has the better draft outlook? Right now, mock draft big boards have Sam Hartman at 206, Devin Leary at 145, and Jaron Hall at 88. As of today, it looks like mock drafts have Jaron Hall handily in the lead. Now, do the stats back that up? The metrics I like to look at are QBR for overall performance, rush yards market share in games played to show they can contribute on the ground, and adjusted yards per attempt to show how good of a passer they are. For QBR, Jaron Hall takes the cake with 78 for his career, followed by Hartman at 67.5 and Leary at 53.5. This is good news for Hall, because even when you can control for a level of competition, which Hall sees less of, he still outperforms the others. Next, we see Hall and Hartman tie for the same AYA at 9.4 and Leary trails at 8.0. All numbers trail what I want to see for a good prospect, 
which is probably why they're mocked where they are. The last metric, Rush Yard's market share in games played, is also led by Hall at 12%, then Hartman at 10.5%, and Leary at 2%. None of these numbers are overly impressive and, in Leary's case, look pretty hampering. Now, to round out this assessment, I created two models, one to predict the odds of being a day one or two pick, and the other to predict the exact draft slot taken. They're trained on height, weight, recruit stars, level of competition, year out of high school, QBR, rush yards market share in games played, AYA, pass EPA per play, rush EPA per play, and PPR points per game in games played. The first model predicted that Jaron Hall had the best odds to be drafted day one or two at 39%, then Hartman at 12.5%, followed by Leary at 11%. None had overwhelming odds, but Hall easily has the best chances. The second model then predicted that Jaron Hall would be drafted at slot 110, Sam Hartman at 145, and Devin Leary at 173. To answer our initial question of which of these QBs would I predict to get the best draft capital in 2023, my answer is Jaron Hall, who seems to have the best odds to be drafted first from both the mock drafts and the data we have so far. So, if you're not watching live, this is not great news for Chris Moxley, who I believe has a bet in place to get the uh, the Ducks tattooed on him through the I will cause problems on purpose. Jaron Hall is drafted in the first round. Uh, you know, 39%, that's that's not bad. I, I mean, Jarek's a smart man, and so for him to say that, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, the Expo next year when uh, we will all be gathering as a team to at some tattoo parlor in Canton. To watch I, I was going to say, does Canton have a tattoo parlor? Well, we'll find oh, one. Oh, I'm we'll, sure we'll, they do. Yeah, we will find sure one. They, I am sure yeah. they do, and I just got I got to get my uh, my duck ready, I guess. Yeah, it's I also have a separate one with Will Levis, so I might show up with like just face tats. Just a family <laughs> of ducks. Next year's Canton's gonna be like we gotta get the whole crew up there on Thursday now. It's gonna be a whole a whole lot of fun next year with both those guys. Let's make the draft day coverage a whole lot of fun this year too. Is I, I will I'm not gonna lie, I will be actively rooting for Jaron Hall to be drafted in the first round. Mox, you'll have to explain that to your kids one day. <laughs> hey, hey little Johnny. Yeah, I may have bet that a seventh year quarterback at a BYU, that, what goes in the hard. first round? Felt that, like good odds at the time. That's, that's, that's seriously the best part about that is listening to that, Jared. Cause I, I work obviously all that stuff with Jared. And when he's like seventh year out of high school, and I was like, I did not realize that dude's been out of high school for seven years. And he's going to end up being a first round pick and cause Moxley to get it done. <laughs> I believe yeah, he has another uh, year too, doesn't he? He has another year of eligibility. He does have one more now. year. Spencer Rattler is not him. Michael Penix Jr. might be. It's college fantasy tonight this morning as Texas A&M and Miami is just now wrapping up. Hey, if you like what we're doing, if you like the fact that we're trying to expand the campus to can format where you got a college fantasy team and an NFL fantasy team and they feed into each other, then drop this video. Like, let us know that you appreciate the work and the content that we are putting out there. We are fighting tonight with one hand behind our back. We're down a few folks, but 
We got a crew here. We're going to give you a good show tonight. We always start College Fantasy tonight with the rundown, and that is where we will begin tonight with Western Kentucky and Indiana. Uh, uh, 33 to 30, Indiana takes this one. Western Indiana was favored by 6.5. That did not make any sense to me. Uh, I tweeted this out. I, I took Western Kentucky, and uh, you would have got your money here on this one. We had a question about whether or not we could count on Zach Kitley's offense remaining there uh, in Bowling Green at Western Kentucky. It looks like we can to a certain extent. Austin Reed, 33, uh, 33 for 43, two, 229 yards, passing two touchdowns, one interception, and then adds a touchdown on the ground, 10 for 18. Malachi Corley uh, does not get in the end zone, but he adds eight for 77. Daywood Davis, he gets a touchdown, five for 71, and a touchdown. Josh Simon, it's just not happening, two for 17. But Kyle Robichaux. Robichaux, Robichaux, uh, 14 for 135 and and one for one uh, through the air. Could he emerge in this backfield? Looked very good today. Um, so we questioned whether or not we could start Austin Reed weekly. Looks like the answer is yes. On the other side, let's give some credit to Cam Camp Camper, nine for, excuse me, eight for 93 and one. It looks like he might be, he might be an every week starter as the go-to target for uh, Basilak. He's got games with 156 yards receiving and 93 yards receiving through three weeks. Sean Shivers, 15 for 58. He has four for 31 through the air. Uh, DJ Matthews, four for 41. This is a good value betting wise. I'm getting starting to get into that. Western Kentucky is not a touchdown um, worse than Indiana. That takes us to... Penn State and Auburn. Penn State absolutely demolished 41-12. The Nittany Lions take it. Penn State was favored by two and a half. I don't know what we're doing with Nick Singleton here. Um, it's time for for Coach James Franklin to send uh, uh, the carries, the bulk of the carries to him. He wasn't used early on in this game. He finishes with 10 for 124 and two. He's one of the best backs in the country as a freshman, just like we predicted in our freshman and supplemental draft guide here at Campus Can, which you can purchase at the website. Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington. Neither one of these guys have particularly emerged yet. Parker Washington, uh, he's got to start coming out of your, your starting lineup. Four for 58. He has not surpassed four catches or 60 yards on the season. Um, and, and so we think that he's a potential NFL player, but he has not been as productive as we've seen a Jahan Dotson be thought that he would be the focus of the offense, but it seems to be really split between he and Tinsley, who plays similar positions in this with a similar style. So um, we got to take Parker Washington out of the lineup. It's going to be a, a whack-a-mole as far as Tinsley and Washington in the passing game. Katron Allen. This feels like a Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson situation where we are maybe not giving uh, respect due to a lesser heralded recruit, but he adds nine for 52 and two TDs. And one of the problems with him coming out of high school was the fact that he was a little bit girthy, good player, but a little bit girthy. Well, you go and you place him with uh, 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 Dwight Ch uh, Chuck Losey and uh, uh, there the, the conditioning program at Penn State might become something. So uh, if you have Katron Allen, you have to be feeling pretty good about him because he has been splitting carries with Nick Singleton this entire time. So um, 
a nod to Katron Allen there. Tank Bigsby, he should have entered the transfer portal. you got Tennessee, Miami, Baylor, all programs that could have used a running back. He finishes the day with nine for 39 and two for 38 through the air. Should probably have a better career uh, in the NFL than he's going to have this last season uh, under Brian Harson, who's a, essentially a lame duck head coach. That takes us to Florida and South Florida. South Florida at Florida. Florida was favored by 25. You thought that this would be a get-right game after Florida loses to Kentucky last week. Anthony Richardson looks terrible. Absolutely not. Woof. Uh, 10 for 18, 112 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Anthony Richardson now has more tackles than touchdown passes on the season. You thought that he would add something on the ground. Again, 7 for for 24 on the ground since that first game against Utah. He has not been great uh, using that athleticism. Defenses have figured out how to corral him. So Anthony Richardson, two bad games in a row. He's going to have to get his confidence back in the next, in the coming weeks, and they're going to have to figure it out. It's one thing that I said early on uh, in the offseason. I understand that there was some toxicity under Dan Mullen. However, Dan Mullen was a very good play caller and very a very creative play caller using Anthony Richardson's skill set. I don't know that that Billy Napier is as creative uh, as Mullen as a play caller, but we'll see. We'll see in the coming weeks if he can get his confidence back. We like Trevor Etienne, uh, eight for fifty-six and one uh, touchdown on the ground. Uh, he continues to be uh, somewhat of a re- revelation as a freshman. Macho Johnson, six for one hundred three, and and one. So uh, they are heading that backfield there for the Gators. Let's go to South Florida just briefly. Brian Bate, the diminutive running back, a, a player that I've touted, if you ever pay attention to Debbie Debate, that I've liked. Uh, a week after going 7-4-105, he finishes this game with 17 for 150 and 1. He's an exciting player. Uh, Jerry Bohannon, the Baylor transfer, he adds uh, 15 for 102 on the ground. Not as more effective than Anthony Richardson, but not uh, uh, bad quarterbacking overall. In this game, let's go to Texas Tech and NC State, a game that I was excited to watch. You got Zach Kitley and uh, the Red Raider offense there. And NC State was a dark horse, in my opinion, to make the playoff. They're, I mean, they're still 3 0. They can make the playoff, but I thought that, that would be because Devin Leary would be um, elevating this team. That's not really the case, but let's start with Texas Tech. Donovan Smith, uh, 21 for 36, 216 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. He adds 11 carries for negative nine yards. Uh, and one touchdown on the ground. He was actually pulled for Baron Morton late when the game was out of hand. Uh, Baron Morton promptly threw an interception. So they've got quarterback issues there at Texas Tech. Um, We'll see if they are able to resolve it. we got to start considering taking the under in some of these Texas Tech games. Um, You know, we started the season kind of hot. Since then, it's been a little bit more cold. Miles Price in this one. Four for 50 and one. Um, Nehemiah Martinez, the second leading receiver with four for 46. We liked Jerron Bradley. They are getting red zone targets. He's only two for 14 in this one. Loic Fungi, two for 28. It's going to be tough. It seems like it's going to be tough picking who's the wide receiver there for Texas Tech that you that you want to start. It's not, this is not your, um, your 2021 Western Kentucky uh, Hilltoppers. Let's go over here to NC State. Devin Leary, as I mentioned, uh, not a great game. 15 for 23 and 121 yards on the ground. 
I thought that he could potentially be an NFL quarterback. That doesn't seem to be the case necessarily early on, but we know that he's going to get invited to the Senior Bowl and maybe his stock can be on a rise. But any thoughts of him being a late first-round NFL draft pick? Probably aren't there. A player who cannot add anything on the ground. He's really got to um, make uh, players around him better with his arm. And at least to date in this season, he hasn't really been doing that. The backfield there at NC State, Jordan Houston, 13 for 57 in Dime Sumo. I can't say his last name. Uh, adds 14 for 51 on the ground, but four for 93 and one through the air. He's been a very good player uh, this season, but this backfield feels very similar to last season where the split was between Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person Jr. I, I don't know to what extent maybe you're starting uh, either one of these backs as a flex. Probably not, though. Probably not, though. We thought it would be uh, 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 Jordan Houston early on, but it's DSK. That's what I'm going to call him. DSK, who is uh, – uh, taking some of the backfield work there. All right, Matt Bruning, let's bring you in here. Let's bring you in here. Coach Lance Leopold, uh, Kansas, 40, Kansas 48, Houston 30. Houston was favored by nine and a half. I liked this game. I call, I actually did very well betting-wise this week. <laughs> um, I, Kansas takes this one away, and I don't think that the odd makers understand what Coach Leopold is building there in Lawrence. No, I don't think anybody does. I I was not. Exp I thought Kansas could possibly win this game. I did not expect them to win it this way. And to be honest with you, had there not been a rain delay, I think they run away with this one. That rain delay, I think, really kind of put a stop to. They were delayed for easily an hour, if not longer. I actually switched games and had to come back to this one because of how long they were delayed. But we talked a lot about Jalen Daniels this morning on Better Sports Radio and on the tailgate. We said to sit him. Who goes out there and drops 50 fantasy points, 123 <laughs> yards on the ground with two touchdowns, three touchdowns through the area, 158 yards passing. Absolutely dominant performance from him. Devin Daniels Neal. is the QB four on the season, yeah. over 30 points per game. He's having a great yeah, season. He's, he was amazing. And Mox mentioned that too. He, we just thought it was that Houston defense, you know, Dana Holgerson. We thought they'll figure out a way to slow him down, and they did not. Devin Neal, uh, just 54 yards on the ground. I thought he looked better than when his final stats came across. I mean, he it felt like he was getting yards every time he touched the ball. Uh, on the Houston side here, man, I don't know what's going on here. With Clayton Tune, I mean, he gets you. If if you started him in fantasy, he comes through for you with the twenty seven points. You you you'd like at least twenty five from your starting quarterbacks here on the on the college side. But he did not look good, and he didn't look good in that Texas Tech game either. He's a guy that I I'd be very curious to see when they when they finally pull him and decide to go a different direction because he's just not looked good at all on the ground here. Brandon Campbell, who had a pretty good game last week, gets a touchdown on the ground, but doesn't do much outside of that. It was actually. Tazan Henry. I honestly don't know how to say his name. Um, he got not only a rushing touchdown, but a receiving touchdown as well, and 100 yards on, um, through the air. Concerning injury possibly for Nathaniel Dell in this one. Uh, Clayton Toon threw a ball a little ahead of him. He tried to dive for it. Um, came up grabbing his leg uh, near the Achilles tendon area. 
they listed it as a shoulder. He came out. He could not walk. They pulled him out. He did not come back in the game. This was late third quarter. Don't know for sure what the injury is. I've not seen anything on Twitter, anybody verifying anything. They, It's listed as a shoulder on their website and on ESPN, but he was clearly grabbing his leg when it happened. So that's something we we need to, to definitely pay attention to because Nathaniel Dell was their offense. But Matthew Golden, a guy we love, had three catches for 20 yards. It was, it was not a great day from anybody else on this offense. Maybe with a full week of practice, we get to see uh, Matthew Golden take some of yeah. that uh, that workload if Nathaniel Dell is going to be out for any significant period of time. All right, let's let's move on here. Yeah, move on here to Michigan State and Washington. Uh, Michigan State was a three point five dog, uh, three and a half point dog, but uh, uh, twenty eight thirty nine in this one. And I mean, I'm telling you, Michael Penix Jr. is back. He gave the Spartans. Fits in 2020. He's doing it again here in 2022. He looked good. He really did. And I'm going to give a small caveat, but I'm going to say he. I was extremely impressed. He was making some seriously good NFL type throws. Michigan State secondary is bad, but I don't think that contributed to what Michael Penix did today. He he was very impressive. We'll start with the Michigan State side. Peyton Thorne was very up and down in this one. It ends up with five touchdowns. Or sorry, four touchdowns, but he they did not let him throw the ball until they got so far behind, and it looked like they were going to start making a comeback here. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Jalen Berger, Jarek Broussard, nothing. I mean, they literally cannot do anything against this Washington defense, and we were a little bit worried. We talked about it this morning with Jaden Reed being out. You know, could Keon Coleman step up? He definitely did. Two receiving touchdowns, 116 yards. You know, I think they've got somebody if Reed can't come back. I know Reed's the guy we want and is going to play well, but Keon Coleman looked great. I also had a two-point conversion where he dove and caught it to make it to the 28 point uh for for michigan state looked really good in this game i don't know the last time we've been excited about a michigan yeah. really excited about a michigan state wide receiver but keon coleman the basketball and football yep. player there at michigan state i mean nine for 116 and two now some of that came late in the game but yeah. you've got kind of a bigger x style wide receiver here in coleman so hey sparty might have one yeah, and again, the, it came late in the game, but I think that was like, if you watch the beginning part of this game, they were still trying to run the ball when when Washington would up like three scores on them. They, they should have just let Peyton Thorne throw the ball. That's when they really started to come back in this one. As for Penix, I mean, mm-hmm. he was amazing. He really was. Four touchdowns through the air, a lot of them going to J- Jalen Polk, who got three of them. Jalen McMillan looked really good in this one. He was the guy that really seemed like, when Penix was in trouble, he was going to him. 94 yards on the seven receptions. Uh, not a lot on the ground here, but Cameron Davis comes through for you a little bit if you started him 69 yards and a touchdown. But again, I, I do have to highlight. I mean, you, you were right on Penix. A little bit worried because he looked like he got a little bit nicked up at the end of the game. He came out. The announcers were talking about maybe they should pull him. And then Michigan State drives down the field and scores. They're like, okay, well, now we kind of have to keep our foot on the gas. They did get the ball again. There wasn't enough time really for them to come back at that point down 11. But, again, he looks really good. Washington now I think is a very interesting team. And we that defense is really good. And if Michael Penix can play this way against a team like USC – we have not been talking about Washington. Kalen DeBoer might have something here with Washington. We talked about the possible win in the Pac-12 last year. Maybe we were just a, a year ahead of ourselves with the whole Jimmy Lake catastrophe last year. Well, uh, uh, Washington is top 10 in both passing yards and yards per attempt here in the first year under Kalen DeBoer. Michael Penix Jr., 24 for 40, 397 yards passing, nearly 10 yards per attempt. 
Um, so he's looking even better than he did at Indiana. Jalen Polk at six for 153 and three touchdowns. we got to consider him potentially for player of the week for Campus to Can, and then Jalen McMillan with seven for 94. And then we didn't even mention Roma Dunze. Not only do they have Michael Penix Jr., they have some weapons here in the passing game, maybe the best weapons that we've seen Michael Penix Jr. have along with Kalen DeBoer as his head coach. Um, I, I, at the very least, at the very least, you've got two teams that are going to be exciting to watch in the Pac-12 between Washington now, who's done a complete 180 on their offense from last season under DeBoer. That's very, very difficult to do in one season, but uh, the Huskies have done it. I should mention on Adunze, it also looked like he got injured as well in this game. He was not out there for the last two drives, so something to monitor. Sounds good. All right, let's move on here to Miami and Texas A&M, which is – uh, wrapped up it's, just yeah. before we started here tonight. Tyler Van Dyke does not have Charleston Rambo. He do, does not have Mike Hartley, and he does not look as good without those two. No, it was a, a rough game. Actually, I, I don't even want to say it was a rough game. He was driving the ball down the field on this AM defense a lot. They just couldn't put points up on the board. Multiple missed kicks. They had a, a field goal blocked. They just couldn't get into the end zone. It ends up with only 217 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Was making some good throws. As you just mentioned, like nobody was really getting open. They had, I believe it was Jacoby George who came back from a two-game suspension, was in this game. He made a big play toward the end, but they just... If they don't get those field goals blocked, I mean, you they may drive try dr- harder to drive down the field and t- possibly tie this game up. I thought the offense looked really well against a good Texas A&M defense. Uh, Henry Parrish, just 85 yards on the ground, Knighton 77. I mean, none of those guys really did anything. Knighton, again, also got banged up in this one. Parrish they were using kind of toward the end. On the Aggie side here, I mean, it's really A-Chain that, that had a, a, a good day, 18 yards on the ground, 42 through the air, and a touchdown. Anaya Smith... You know, 74 yards, had the muff punt that almost really let Miami back in this game, but he ended up recovering it. Max Johnson, you know, he did what I think Jimbo Fisher wanted from him. He didn't turn the ball over. That's kind of what has hurt this team the past couple weeks and what Haynes King has done. Does just throw the one touchdown, 140 yards, but no interceptions, no fumbles, which is what Haynes King had been doing the past two weeks. I mean, I think Max Johnson did exactly what Jimbo wanted, and that's keep the ball. I mean, he was 10 for 20, 140 yards. I don't know if that's exactly what he wanted. They make the switch production-wise. It's very much the same. Listen, they've got a quarterback problem there at Texas A&M. It's just a matter – I don't know how they're going to get past Alabama, how they're going to get past Georgia playing offense this way. The fact is that they aren't. So they've got these highly touted recruits in this class that they paid all this money to. But if they can't get the quarterback position right, some of those dominoes might fall, and are we hearing rumors that there is some trouble in paradise there at a and We had two players, two highly touted freshmen, Chris Marshall yep. and um, Evan, Evan Stewart, Stewart. Yep. And some defensive players who were suspended for this game, so yes. uh, for a, an alleged violation of team rules. LJ Johnson at one point was very high in our rankings at Camp Stikin. He gets yep. in this game. He has just a few carries, nothing that you that were uh, – uh, that makes you want to consider him again as being a, a, an asset, but uh, he does get in on this one. All right, Matthew, I think that is the rundown. Yep. No G5 minute today. No draft class check-in. We're going to to go straight to the panel here. Matthew, Michael Penix Jr., go. I think we have to start talking about him in the draft consideration. We really do. And, and again, he looked impressive. 
Look, there's still there's still a lot of season left. Said the same thing about about Anthony Richardson. There's a lot of season left. What the biggest question we had on him was the injuries, right? He's never played more than six games, and again in this one he got nicked up. It's a it's a concern, but I would say, in my opinion, I haven't got a chance to obviously rewatch the game. I was just watching it today. I thought his footwork looked really good. He made some impressive throws, including dropping balls in the bucket to Jalen McMillan, running down the field, tight windows, which we knew he could do. He's got special arm talent. So if he continues to do this all season, there's really nobody who's taken a stranglehold on that third quarterback in this class. We know it's CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. You know, a lot of people had Devin Leary up there. That was a horrible game from Devin Leary today. He's not looked good at all this season. We've we've heard Jaron Hall mentioned in the first round. He's been okay at best. I mean, you mentioned what Anthony Richardson's done. We saw him get rocketed up into the top three picks by a lot of NFL draft analysts. Well, he's been really bad since that happened. Like, if Penix can keep this run going, I think it's fair to start talking about him in the first round thing. I mean, even Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, he's not, he can't do what he does not have the arm that Penix has. He cannot make those throws. I think that's going to be the separator. So, going to be very interesting to see what he does the rest of the season. I hope he stays healthy because if he does, I am more than happy to take an L on him if he stays healthy and does what you've been saying he's doing. I, I hope that he does. I really do. There are a few players that I've talked about more since in the, you know, two and a half years or so that we've been doing it, this than Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I maintain that if he had Kalen DeBoer for four years, if he had been healthy for four years, he'd be a no-brainer as a first-round dra- uh, NFL draft pick. The arm talent is there as far as being able to make all the throws, but you see him be able to, to manipulate the pocket and move in the pocket and step up in the pocket and 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 make throws on target while being hit in the face. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. is an extremely tough player. He hasn't had many healthy springs. He's always going and uh, undergoing an ACL uh, rehab during the spring. And so he hasn't been able to work on his lower body mechanics. And so he was a forgotten man, forgotten man to most, not forgotten to me, but um, uh, the arm talent is there. The moxie is there. The poise is there, but he has to be more consistent and he can't do that without reps. Can't do that without uh, working on your craft. And he hasn't been able to do that because he had, had been uh, not, had not been healthy, but he gets a fresh start here at Washington and he's making the most of it. Let's move on here to Georgia. Georgia is rolling offensively, Matthew, but I question how many of these skill position players are we going to or are going to be fantasy relevant at the next level. Brock Bowers is one, but is it Kenny McIntosh? Is it Kendall Milton? Is it uh, uh, Dylan Morrison? I don't know. It feels like Brock Bowers is the one that we kind of think, but Eric Gilbert is you know not playing. I don't know. What do you think about who are the, the players that we're going to want to have on our dynasty rosters when they uh, declare for the NFL draft and they go from our college side to our NFL side? So, I mean, it might be a little bit early, but Oscar Delp made uh, some pretty amazing plays in here as well. I think that isn't it bad that we got to go to two tight ends when we talk yeah. about this. Though? Talk so about Jordan? Yeah. The, the one that is intriguing to me is Kenny McIntosh. And I say that because we saw the draft capital that James Cook got. And I think McIntosh is better than Cook. So if, if, if Cook could get that, I, I, I think he's better. So I think he has a chance to get outside of him. Like, I think Lad McConkey will get drafted. I think I actually think Stetson Bennett's going to get drafted. I don't know that we ever will count on them doing anything in our fantasy team. So uh, really for me, it's Brock Bowers and Delp. We'll see with Mac. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, This RB class is, 
intriguing with some of the names that are coming out of nowhere now or, or resurfacing. We've talked about, but now are resurfacing. But really, I I'm, I don't see anybody. I mean, Arian, like I'm looking, the, I'm looking at Alabama. I'm looking at Georgia. I'm like, who do we covet on these rosters? I think yeah. at Georgia, you still cover covet Branson Robinson, Andrew Paul. At his value, is going to miss this season with an ACL injury, but he's a 225 pound player that has some speed and we was thought to be ahead of Branson Robinson in camp. But but as far as the, the players that are making plays on the on the field uh, uh, for Georgia this year. Donna J. Mitchell, you know, it, it's the tight end. It's Brock Bowers who 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 caught he got a touchdown on a reverse, got a touchdown on a fade, uh, and then a long a long TD uh, on a uh, over the seam. So it's Brock Bowers, and then I'm not sure who else. It's interesting. It's an interesting year in 2022 because of what we you know Georgia scoring points, but most explosive offense about. I'm told. Right, but we—I don't know that we care about a whole lot of their skill position players, or we're not—I should say—we're not confident about them. And then, and then at, at Alabama, you know, outside of Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, and Jameer Gibbs, who has not been great on the ground, by the way, yeah. very effective through the air, but not great on the ground. All right, let's move on here to huh, what would you uh, what would you take for Spencer Rattler for trade? Let, let's say let's say hypothetically, I'd throw you a seventh round supplemental pick. Would you take that for Spencer yes, Rattler? I would in a heartbeat. <laughs> I really would. I mean, he's not been good at South Carolina. I think that. Do we really think he's going to get drafted? I mean, what day two is what matters, right? Rarely do these fourth round quarterbacks that I know people talk about Dak so. Prescott and some of these other guys. Like, rarely does that actually happen. So we need him to get drafted day two at best. If he goes out there and is just phenomenal the rest of the season, is he going to get day two draft capital? I don't think so. He's got too much bad. I don't know why we suspected for Spencer Rattler to go from the most quarterback-friendly offense we've seen in generations. That's put, what, two number one picks and two a Heisman second winners. round. Two Heisman winners and then a, uh, uh, a day two pick that's been a very effective NFL quarterback in Jalen Hurts. We think that he's going to go from that, where he couldn't cut it, to South Carolina, an upstart South South Carolina team, and be different in the SEC. No, no, Spencer Rattler is not it. I would take a tenth round pick. I wish I had more players listed here because we could probably get. There's a lot of things that I would take for Spencer Rattler. He's essentially dead weight because I don't think he's going to be an NFL player. He's definitely not. He's not a first round. Pick. You know who I, I I would take Lad McConkey for Spencer Rattler right now because at least he's going to produce for for me on the CFF side and he's probably going to get at least decent draft camp. We'll see what happens with him, but yeah, we will see. All right, uh, that's it for panel, Matthew. Let's move on here to uh, Kevin Coleman. Kevin Coleman, the co-host of the Devi Royale contributor at Football Guys. You can find him on Twitter at Dubois underscore twenty two. Kevin. Um, I was excited about the games. Well, one per- game in particular, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. But let's start with Utah. Uh, excuse me, Utah and San Diego State. Um, Cam Rising and company uh, trying to get back on track after the early season loss at Florida. Yeah, this game kind of turned into a blowout. It looks like they just pulled Cam Rising in the fourth. Uh, he had four touchdowns, 224 yards tonight, so he played well. Tavion Thomas had a touchdown again. I think he scored every game this year. Tavion. Tavion's a 
Tavion's a really good CFF player. Like, if you got Tavion out there and he's got day two numbers, I think he could be. I just don't know how old he is, like 37. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, when you're looking at receiving, Brant Kuth uh, or Keith, or I always mispronounce his last name, five, five catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. But this game was never in doubt. They blasted San Diego State. The game I wanted to talk about was Fresno State at USC. I'm a Drake Hayner fan. Um, and then you've got all Jake Hayner, uh, Nico Remigio, Jalen Cropper, uh, 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 Jordan Mims. And then on the USC side, I mean, you got Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Travis Dye. There's a lot of potential firepower in this one. But I saw the first half and this, I mean, it was, you know, a game that wasn't getting out of hand. No, you know, Fresno State, they, well, USC, three straight um, three straight drives for a touchdown. Hayner just went down. Um, I'm watching the game right now. Uh, wow. He actually just fumbled, so I don't know what's going on with him. But then, you know what? Fresno State battled back. Uh, Caleb looked great the first three drives. He has 143 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Addison had five catches, 51 yards and a touchdown. I think... I think the conversation needs to be had about Jordan Addison and whether we think he's wide receiver one. I think there's there's some conversations now. I think him, JSN, Boutte has been really bad this year. Um, and, and Addison's kind of popped off. Travis Dye, three catches, 36 yards. He also has 54 yards on the ground. Austin Jones, 59 yards on the ground for five carries. So, like, offensively, USC was rolling. Um, the defense stepped up for Fresno State in the second quarter uh, and got a couple sacks, got some pressure on them. On the flip side, Hayner has looked okay. He has an interception. He, he threw, like, a Hail Mary at at the end of the half uh, Mims has been running really good and I think one conversation I've been talking about is like Mims is very he has quick feet he he looks like he could maybe be an NFL prospect I really like Jordan Mims um, receiving wise Jalen Cropper has five catches 36 yards but a- after that there's really no one on that side Fresno State just I think they go away from the run too much as a Fresno State season ticket holder and watching them play like Mims has nine carries 54 yards we know USC can't stop the run yet they don't they're not attacking him through there. They're trying to win with Hayner and that's just not gonna work tonight. Uh Kevin, give me the uh the time. What quarter are we in and what is the score right now? Yeah, it's 21 to 10, uh USC with 13 minutes in the third. So a ton of game left. And I think it really comes down to what's going on with Hayner. If he's hurt, it's over. That brings us to North Dakota State, the fighting Trey Lances and Arizona. <laughs> North Dakota State going from FCS to FBS to take on this Arizona team that has some interesting uh, uh, players on it. You, you talked about Lance Leopold earlier yeah. on. Well, Jed Fish there at Arizona is trying to build a program. He's trying to build a program, but don't play North Dakota State, Felix. We know better than this. Like, don't be, don't be bringing them. Go, go, go. You know, spend some money. Go play Texas A&M. I think seventeen uh, fourteen right now. Just started the second half. Jaden Delore, one hundred twenty two yards. Uh, he has a rushing touchdown. Uh, Michael Riley is actually leading the Arizona rushing yards. Uh, six carries, thirty four yards, and a touchdown. And we no uh, no Jacob Cohen tonight. He's not. He hasn't been on the board. Uh, Dorian Singer is there. He's got three catches for fifty-two yards. Tanner McLaughlin four catches, fifty yards. Um, doesn't look good on on the on the receiving side. If you have a count, if you have Cowing out there, he has not done nothing. But North Dakota State, man, like I love watching them play. Cam Miller, one hundred three yards and a touchdown. Hunter Lupke, uh, he's a fun guy. If you ever watched him play, ten carries, forty-seven yards. He also has two catches, fifty-six yards. This is going to be the game that I watch. I stay up late tonight and watch this game and try not to fall asleep. I'm going to stay up late with you too, Kevin. We always appreciate you checking in with us with the left coast games that started on at an ungodly hour but we started the show at an ungodly hour tonight kevin appreciate you thank you appreciate you guys 
Matt Bruning, um, I think that this week's slate of games felt like, you know, like a a, a, a B-side uh, of games. Next week's slate, we've got a lot of, of, of action. Clemson and Wake Forest. Clemson hasn't been – Clemson has actually been decent offensively. Um, Will Shipley had a great game today, over 100 yards rushing, and um, we got that offense going against Wake Forest. Uh, Sam Hartman should be healthy. This is going to be a that's going to be a fun fun game there uh, next week. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Just to give you guys an update, if if you're not watching the USC game, uh, Jake Hanner was carted off. Looks like it was a pretty bad ankle injury. Defender rolled up on him as he was trying to move. Uh, he looks like he is done for the game. Uh, for Wake Forest, I mean, they beat Clemson last year, right? That's going to be the thing is can that offense put up points against probably the best defense in the ACC? Because if they can, I don't think Clemson can keep up. They were struggling for a while in this game early before they started to score some points. I don't know that DJU is able to keep up with them. And I guess the big thing we'll have to question and watch on this too is if they if Wake Forest starts putting up points and DJU and this offense can't keep up, do they make the move to Cade in this game to try and get a win? I will be paying very close attention to that game. Like, there's a lot of different interweaving storylines that could be very intriguing. On the other hand, we go to Baylor and Iowa State. Listen, I love Jake Hayner. I, excuse me. I love Hunter Deckers. He's playing well with Xavier Hutchinson. Hunter Deckers had a very good game. I think he had yeah. four or five touchdowns uh, today, including one on the ground. But we get to see Baylor in that Jeff Grimes offense. Um, this is a team that was right there in the Big 12. This could – this could be we could get a rematch in the Big 12 championship game between these two. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I don't know about that. Uh, Texas is going to be one of the teams in there, so we're not going to get a rematch, but it is going to be a good game. I mean, Baylor struggled, they should have won that game last week against BYU, so we should see them coming in undefeated. I believe Iowa State is undefeated as well, so it, sh- it should have been an undefeated matchup for this one. I am very intrigued to see what Hunter Deckers looks like against this defense. Iowa did a very good job against him. I think their defense is a little bit better than Baylor, so I want to see what that looks like. Blake Shapin looked much better today, but he struggled against BYU. I wouldn't say Iowa State's in the same category as BYU, but I think they're close. So I think their two teams are very well matched up. I'm excited to watch that one. Again, a lot of good ones in this one. Florida at Tennessee. If we see week three, Anthony Richardson perform poorly, you know, what happens there? Tennessee's offense is explosive. They're going to put a lot of pressure on this Florida offense to score. And Anthony Richardson's going to have to put the team on his back. He hasn't been able to do that two weeks in a row now. Yeah, I, I don't know that he'll be able to do it here. I, I can't even say that it's all him. You mentioned it earlier when you talked about the Florida game. It's one of my biggest concerns. I, I brought it up multiple times this offseason. If you ever look at what Billy and Avery has done with his quarterbacks, he does not ask them to do much. He doesn't. He typically does ask them to run, which Anthony Richardson's not doing. It's the best part of his game, so I don't understand that part. But it's just very weird play calling altogether, and Tennessee can score on you in one play. Florida cannot do that. If Now, if Florida's defense can come to play like they did against Utah and like they did at the end of that USF game, they, they kind of pulled it together to get Florida that win. Maybe this is an intriguing game, but I feel like Tennessee's going to win this fairly easily with the way that offense scores because I don't – even if Anthony Richardson goes back to week one Utah Richardson, I don't think they can keep up. I just don't. That's not enough points. Yeah, yeah. it's not – It's not enough. they won't be able to score enough. I'll be interested to see what the line on that game is tomorrow. I have to believe it's going to be Tennessee by at least – I would say at least nine and a half. 
I would say, say that seven. Be... So that that's that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, Texas at Texas Tech. I'm always excited about watching Zach Kitley's offense, even though it hasn't been as explosive as 2021. But you get a lot of fantasy relevant players in this game uh, there in Texas. Yeah, again, I mentioned uh, when we talked about uh, Clemson, Wake Forest, interweaving storylines. Right? I think there's a lot of them in this game, too. That defense for Texas really came together in the second half against UTSA. Maybe they coming off that emotional high of almost beating Alabama. A lot of people thought this was going to be an upset game. It wasn't. They win that game. Right now, it's setting up to be if they can win this game, which I think is the best matchup they've got before they get to Oklahoma, they're going to get Quinn back by Oklahoma. If they win those two games, I mentioned, uh, not jokingly, Texas has a chance to make it to the Big 12 championship and possibly a playoff spot now with a one-point loss to Alabama. They've got to get through these next two games. Texas Tech, not an easy team to beat, as you just mentioned, with Zach Kitley in that offense. Texas going into Lubbock as well, which is not an easy place to play. Going to be very intriguing if that Texas defense can step up and put the clamps on this offense the way they did Alabama's because Texas Tech did not look that great today again and against an NC State defense, but I think that line is a lot better for NC State than Texas is a very, very important game, I think, for Texas and Texas Tech. Listen, I only saw a Hudson Cards box door, but Steve Sarkeesian, what are you doing Put uh, splitting reps in training camp between those two, between Quinn Ewers yeah. and Hudson Card? I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad look. Um, that takes us to Notre Dame and North Carolina. Drake May returns from the bye week facing a defense that largely held that state offense in week one. He's going to face his toughest test yet. Yeah, absolutely. And Notre Dame, it's it's insane to say that they held this Ohio State offense down the way they did because they did not really look great today either. I, I There was realistic thoughts they were going to lose to Cal, one of the worst teams in my – I know they're 2-0, but I do not think they're a good football team. I am very excited to watch this one because this will be the best defense that we'll see Drake may play. I don't think this offense will challenge UNC much, so can UNC pull away from this one? They should be getting Josh Downs back, which should be good for Drake may and Josh Downs. Can anybody on Notre Dame cover Downs? I don't think so. But Foskey, I think, is going to be the key here for Notre Dame because that offensive line for North Carolina is horrible. I think Foskey might have a chance to eat. It's going to be fun to watch. As you mentioned, there's a lot of great games. I'm really trying to figure out how I'm going to get eyes on all of them. This, again, is another one that I am extremely intrigued to watch because we vaulted Drake May up, right? So if he... If he goes out there and beats a good Notre Notre Dame defense, or we consider a good Notre Dame defense that held down, as you mentioned, C.J. Stroud and the Buckeyes offense, like... Can we even move Drake May any higher? We can't jump him over guys like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young yet, right? Like, it's it's going to be very fun to see what happens if they win that game. Much better slate of games than we had this week, and we will be right there for you after the conclusion of that, that uh, primetime game right here on College Fantasy tonight. All right. Good night, America.